Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Puppies and kitties. Books and movies. Yes, we love these. Listen to this podcast, please. everybody it's been a really long time since we've all been together like this Susan has been away on <laughs> adventures um we're about to talk about all the ugly and wonderful things by Bryn Greenwood which if you read along with us you know is a, a pretty messed up book in a lot of ways so I thought a good way to start us off this week would be to talk about um something happy unfortunately we're recording on the same day of, well, the day after, I guess, technically, the Las Vegas shooting occurred. Also, Tom Petty. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's it's going it, to, this is a challenge. It doesn't feel very happy today. I think we can do it. Um, I can start because I just <laughs> thought of something. Go for it. So, actually, I, this is Emily, by the way. I picked this book, so I'm, you know, talking a lot. Um, (laughs) I, uh, have had a really crappy day today and I texted my buddy Mary over here and I said, I'm having a really crappy day and everything's making me mad because I'm very anxious. And Mary was like, Oh no, do you want me to bring you a coffee? And I said, yes. And so she came over to my house and she brought me a coffee and vegan ice cream and it was the sweetest thing ever. And so that made me really happy. So thanks, Mary. Makes me happy that it made you happy. Yeah. So that was a happy thing that happened today. Also, I got to eat ice cream, too. (laughs) And you got to give Pete his goop, (laughs) which I know you love doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Pete has a special maple-flavored laxative that he loves. And Mary loves giving it to him. (laughs) Well, he's trained now to think it's a special treat. So when he sees me, he starts going... Oh, he gets so excited when Mary meowing and getting excited. He's like, it's the goop lady. It's the goop lady. He'll get in my lap. It's it's very cute. Yes, I'm Mary. It's been a pretty weird, rough weekend. I'm a course manager for a massive, like, 600-person online class. And we had a huge technical (laughs) problem over the weekend. And I couldn't fix it. And it was very frustrating. (laughs) But... Is that your happy thing? 
no, I guess my my happy thing is Thursday night. I had like a really chill Thursday night and got Chinese takeout oh, and watched takeout. Critical Role, which is a live stream of this group that plays Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> and so like I just had a really chill, nice Thursday night. Were you by yourself, Mary? No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. So you critical rolled and chilled? <laughs> um. <laughs> all right, all right. That's cool. I'm Susan, and I'm happy to be back. So I think that's, like, a good thing. It's We're also just a good thing that I was just in Europe, which is, like, a way better place than where I am now. Like, America is yeah. real shitty <laughs> yeah. today, specifically. So It's a tire fire. But I did, I do have a very recent yeah. memory of Europe, and I think that's happy. And I'm happy to see you guys again. Oh, we're, we're so happy, happy you're here. You. Can that be my happy thing that Susan sure. is back? <laughs> Makes me feel good. I guess if you don't mind cheating. <laughs> the happy thing is that I went to a bar on Saturday night for my friend's birthday. And the bartender gave me a free drink. Oh, yay! (laughs) It was really exciting. That never happens to me. He gave me a free drink because I have an Irish last name. And he was Irish because it was at, like, an Irish bar. And he was like, Nice. Here you go. And I was like, thanks. It was cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, so moving on to fucked up thing um, for (laughs) the. (laughs) <laughs> For this podcast, we read Bryn Greenwood's All the Ugly and Wonderful Things, and I I was going to read the Goodreads synopsis. However, come to find out, I know this was a question we had, is like, who writes the Goodreads summaries? And um, it is verified now that anyone can go on there and edit it, because someone went on there and edited it to take out all the spoilers, which is no fun. Um, so I'm just going <laughs> to... I'm going to read what the jacket says because this um, has all the spoilers in it for you. Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead, but they're also on the jacket of the book. So, all right. Anyway, here we go. A beautiful and provocative love story between two unlikely people and the hard-won relationship that elevates them above the Midwestern meth lab backdrop of their lives. As the daughter of a drug dealer, Wavy knows not to trust people, not even her own parents. It's safer to keep her mouth shut and stay out of sight. Struggling to raise her little brother, Donald, eight-year-old Wavy, is the only responsible adult around. Obsessed with constellations, she finds peace in the starry night sky above the fields behind her house, until one night when her stargazing causes an accident. After witnessing his motorcycle wreck, she forms an unusual friendship with one of her father's thugs, Kellen, a tattooed ex-con with a heart of gold. By the time Wavy is a teenager, her relationship with Kellen is the only tender thing in a brutal world of addicts and debauchery. When tragedy rips Wavy's family apart, a well-meaning aunt, 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 I don't know, auntie (laughs) steps in, and what is beautiful to Wavy looks ugly under the scrutiny of the outside world. A powerful novel you won't soon forget, All the Ugly and Wonderful Things challenges all we know and believe about love. So, that is... What the jacket says. Not that spoilery. It just says tragedy strikes. Yeah, I guess <laughs> the only thing that's spoilery is like, hey, uh, 
this semi or totally pedophilic relationship might have some problems <laughs> when like actual adults step in and realize what's happening. So, I mean, I think we could all predict that that yeah. is going to be a thing. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that is the story. We're dealing with um, Wavy and Kellen. Um, they are two central characters, one being a little girl who we see her grow up at the beginning of the book. She's, I think, five in, in the first chapter. And she's eight when she meets Kellen. And then by the end of the book, she's in her early 20s. Um, and Kellen is 23 when he yeah. meets her. Well, he's 24. So I think he 24. might be 24. I'm not Something sure. Like that. 24, early 20s. He's not eight. Um, <laughs> so obviously a big age difference there. He's not eight. Mm-mm. Unlike Aunt Brenda <laughs> assumes. <laughs> yeah. He's not a cute little boy from her school. He's a big, burly man. He's And he's described as very big. Very burly. Lots of tattoos all over him, including one that says, lucky motherfucker. (laughs) With a horseshoe. With a horseshoe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which, Bryn Greenwood is giving out free temporary tattoos that say lucky motherfucker on them. And Susan and I got some. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So that was pretty exciting. (laughs) Um, And it'll be awesome if I wear that around town and someone sees it and doesn't know what the hell it is, I'll be very excited about that. <laughs> or if they do know, that would be even more exciting. Oh, yeah, that would be more exciting. You're right. <laughs> um, okay, so do we want to talk about our general thoughts about the book? <laughs> I'll go last because I want to hear what you guys think first before I, I'm just afraid. <laughs> I'll go first. Go, Mary. Go, Mary. I have really struggled how to describe this book to people as I've been reading it. And I've struggled to describe how I feel about it because I really loved this book. What? Mary loved a book. <laughs> I know. You loved the book? Shocker. What happened? I loved it. And I struggled because I found myself rooting for Wavy and Kellen and I just hoped they ended up together and everything turned out okay. But then I would stop and think, no, this is messed up. <laughs> yeah. That I'm rooting <laughs> For this pedophilic relationship. And I've never been into books like that. Like, I don't really like Lolita. Uh, see, I love like, Lolita. I don't know if I this is like a pattern that's happening <laughs> with me, but I think Lolita's great. I don't know. And, but, but I think the writing is really lovely in a way because it's descriptive and beautiful, but it's also not overly done, I guess. Like, it's readable, but... There are some really nice, like, turns of phrase. I don't know. It's a good book, but man, like, I struggled with how I felt about it just morally. But I gave it a five out of five on Goodreads because I, like, blew through it and loved it. Yeah. Woo. Um, Yeah, I felt pretty similarly um, that I was definitely rooting for them. And I always just, like, am the type of person who, like... If I'm reading a story that has a romance in it, that I'm going to, like, latch on to that. Because I don't know why, but I just, like, love romance. And this <laughs> I love, is really love, f- love. I love love. And this is really <laughs> fucked up romance. For sure. <laughs> and I also love Lolita, Emily. Although Lolita is different because yeah. there is something just inherently creepy and off-putting about Lolita's main character. 
Yeah, it's not love in Lolita. I don't think no. anyone would argue that. Yeah. No, it's lust and general weirdness. Where here, it does genuinely seem like love, like whether or not that is right <laughs> is, you know, a question that you definitely grapple with while reading this. And it's not easy to like, especially, you know, some of the sexual content is like extremely difficult to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like really well written. Like, yeah, I was like, these are like to write a a sexual scene between what is essentially a, a well, she's like 13, I think when stuff turns a little sexual. Yeah. I was like, hey, yeah. how is this like good writing though? Like, that's, I felt weird. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, it just makes you feel kind of, as the um, summary suggests, <laughs> it makes you question everything you know about love. But um, I did, I did find myself thinking like, what, I still don't know <laughs> how to feel like about <laughs> their relationship because I could see it from both sides. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I think I am going to give it a four probably. There are like a couple little things that I have about it, but I really, really, really liked it. I think I could say I loved it, <laughs> but. I think a, a four is still yeah. pretty good. Especially for us. Like we don't give out fours very easily. We've been kind of yeah. stingy with no. the fours and especially the fives. Mary. I think I've been three stars all the way down, so. <laughs> I'm finally breaking out of my threes because this one's a four. Yay! Yes! What? It's a four. We did it. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Um, It only took a a pedophilic (laughs) relationship to make me break out of the threes. What does that say? Break us out of our rut. Um, (laughs) Yeah, now we finally know what we can all get on board with. Oh, I was like, actually, while (laughs) I was reading it, so I read this – I I read this while I was traveling, and I read, like, almost – like more than half of it on the plane ride there because I just like couldn't stop reading it and I really was loving it and I was like I hope everyone else is loving it because what if I love it and I'm weird because (laughs) of it (laughs) so yeah I really also was rooting for them and yeah it's it's difficult because I I really like Kellen as a character and Mm-hmm. as a person and he didn't it didn't feel predatory but yet it is even if it doesn't feel like it it's still a problem <laughs> just <laughs> like this is what i was doing the whole time and my my friend that i was traveling with was like oh what is the book about and i'm like ah well right now this child and this man in his 20s have come together and i was you know, he's, he's her protector, sort of, and they're, like, kind of falling in love, I think. I'm not really sure where it's going. Like, but nothing sexual had happened yet, but she was like, okay, interesting, you know. <laughs> it's like, but it's really good. Um, but, yeah, I have overall, like, very positive feelings about the book. I don't know. Um, I, I, I thought this one was going to be kind of hard to talk about because of it sounds like you're totes okay with pedophilia if you're – loving it (laughs) well and it's like how do you recommend this book to someone with the caveat like this is about this is like a pedophilia story but also it's really good but you have to like tell them that part and then how can you convince them to still read it when that's like the only thing you tell them about it oh yeah i don't think i i don't think i made my friend want to read it she was like 
okay, cool. I'm going to go back to what I was doing now and you continue <laughs> on with that. <laughs> and when I just told Joe what it was about, he was like, okay. I'm like, no, but it's great though. And you were like, Emily made me read it. <laughs> yeah. It's almost better not knowing like that they're going to have a sexual relationship when you go into it. Cause I didn't know. I didn't either. Yeah. I sensed it. You guys hinted <laughs> yeah. at last time that there was a problematic relationship, and for some reason I assumed that there was, like, an incestual relationship, because I feel like that's a, th- a thing more often in, like, literary novels, but... Um, yeah. So I thought something was going to happen with the brother at first, and, and obviously until Ooh. Kellen came along, but... Not little Donald. No, not little Donald. Little Donald. Okay, um, <laughs> so I guess I need to say how I felt about the book. I... I really liked it um, for all the reasons you guys talked about, and I, I think a lot of the reason I did like it is because I was questioning why why I was rooting for this relationship the whole time. I think that's what that's what weirds a lot of people out about this book, which we'll get to talk about in a minute. But that's also what worked for me is like sort of like having that debate in my mind the entire time when I was reading it, where I was like, Oh, this is really sweet. And like, I hope it works out for them. And then the next minute being like, wait, no, this is really fucked up. Like what, what is my problem? You know, like, um, it was like having a constant, uh, book discussion in my head, like the entire time I was reading it where like part of me was like, this is not great. And part of me was like, this is wonderful they finally found someone that can take care of them and make them happy. And I mean, that girl, I think we get a lot of setup in the beginning that makes us really understand how terrible her home life is before Kellen comes into the picture. And that helps out a lot because by the time Kellen comes in and actually like sees her and cares about her and is like getting her to go to school and like making sure that her house is clean and that her brother's taken care of, um, it's, it's a relief that someone is finally loving this child who has been like pretty unloved before this. So, um, yeah, I'm very impressed that Bryn Greenwood was able to make me care about these characters that like, if someone just told me what the story was about, I don't think that I would believe that I would feel the way that I felt by the end of this. So I gave it five stars like Mary. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. All right. You want to have a moment? Yeah. We yeah. all like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's to you, all you people complaining about how we don't like anything. <laughs> we like it. something. I think you have a good point, Emily, though, like about how the characters are likable mm-hmm. because the story's not <laughs> in so many ways, you know? Yeah. So let's talk about how other people have reacted to this book, because not everyone has had the same response um, as we have. Not everyone was able to give into the world of this book and say, like, yes, this is a couple that we want to root for. Some people thought it was really fucked up. Um, And so I want to look at some of the things that people have said on Goodreads about the book and then talk about this idea a little bit of like, are there some topics that we just shouldn't? be reading and writing about. Um, So the first one is from Alexa. She says, can't believe grown people actually feel there is an acceptable relationship where an adult has sex with a child. Question, question, question. (laughs) This is insane. 
It isn't reasonable in any way to create a world in which an adult who has the size and power to call the shots is allowed to take advantage of a small child who has been brainwashed and abused into thinking it's okay. Have you all been brainwashed as well? She's talking to us, the people that like the book, saying that we've been brainwashed. Yes, someone took my brain out and they washed it and then they put it back in my head. Yeah. So, I mean, but the, the reason I included this is like, she has a point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and Rebecca here kind of had similar thoughts. Does someone want to read hers? Um, I'll read it. The sexualization of young girls needs to stop. Hard stop. No gray area here. All the defense centering around, quote, all they had was each other slash they protected each other is bullshit. This is something young girls need to be protected from. This school of thought is dangerous and irresponsible for society overall. The acceptance at the end of the novel made me want to vomit. This isn't a, quote, family. This is a young, damaged girl who fell in love with a man who abused her. There's nothing romantic about that. And also, a big fuck you to the publisher for marketing this book as something more than just a story about pedophilia. Mm. Rebecca. Uh, we've got one more negative review and then maybe on the positive side. Oh, this this is my favorite one. This is from The Fallen, <laughs> which is such a dramatic username. Uh, the Fallen says, does anyone else think that if a man had written this book, he would be flayed alive for being a misogynist and a pedophile? I'm not one of those people who tells readers what they can and can't read, but I think... That just like the romanticization of stalking (laughs) and abuse in Fifty Shades of Grey is wrong, so too is the romanticization of pedophilia. Also, it's possible that actual teenagers might read this book. I guess I would be happier if the author had written something like, this book is a fantasy on the front page. Wow. Okay, first of all, The Fallen has a lot of grammar issues going on, which you know... Whatever. And I'm pretty sure any fiction book has a page at the front that says this book is a work of fiction. It says a novel on the cover. And (laughs) and novels are fiction. I like how this person says, I'm not someone who tells people what they can and can't read, but here's what I think people shouldn't read. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I just, you know, for a little bit of balance, I included one sort of response to these people on Goodreads. Jessica here. Susan, do you want to read Jessica? Yeah, from Jessica. I don't believe it glorifies pedophilia in any way. He quite obviously has a case of arrested development, for lack of a better term. It is something entirely likely when faced with a lifestyle that was being endured on both of their parts. It is the not-so-great part of reality that most people are fortunate enough to be ignorant to. He was her only safe space, and she the only one who ever saw him as an actual person. I feel like the uncomfortable sexual parts were secondary as their mentality was pretty close to equal. He never took advantage of her, and the atrocities they were both born into makes ages almost irrelevant at times. They were both fighting to survive in a world horrifically unfair and unjust to them both. I never for a minute thought of it as any kind of romance novel— but to find any kind of true love that transcends age, race, and class makes them turn a situation makes them turn a situation where <laughs> instead of evolving into addicts and criminals, they fight for the only normal either of them could ever have. I guess I didn't even think about his mental age, but he does not seem twenty whatever at the beginning to me. So yeah, and we we see him interacting with people his age, and he 
seems uncomfortable with them a little bit. Yeah. Well, and they all seem to think he's stupid. But then again, a lot of pedophiles are uncomfortable around adults, so. <laughs> eh, yeah, fair enough. Well, and, like, uh, other adults treat him like he's an idiot, too, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder yeah. if that makes it feel more acceptable. I don't know. I, you know, and the reason that I included both sides of this argument is because, like, I don't, I really don't know how to respond to some of these questions that people have on the, like, more negative side of things. Like, yeah, it's not right to sexualize little girls and, like, pedophilia is wrong. Um, Does that mean these things shouldn't be written about at all, though? No. Well, a lot of things are wrong. And we still read about them. I mean, I'm thinking about, like, some of the hot young adult books from the past decade or so. Like, is it wrong to send children into a ring to kill each other? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Yeah. Probably. Did people read it? Yeah. The the problem that people are having with this, I guess, is, like, the fact that it's not saying that what happens here is wrong. But then again, it's not necessarily saying that it's right. Right. Well, a book doesn't have to give you a moral at the end and say, yeah, this is no. how you should feel about it. I don't think it is telling you how to feel about it. Clearly, people disagree on how they feel. So it, I don't think it – it's not the author's job to say this is right or this is wrong. And I don't think there are any no. any topics that are off limits um, yeah. for a writer ever. But I guess, I mean, again, just playing devil's advocate, um, the fact that – Spoiler alert, in the end, they end up together and seem happy and are married. Um, Does this somehow place judgment on the relationship and say, like, it's okay? I don't think so, because when they do end up together, they're both of an age where it's consensual and an adult relationship. And yes, they both say creepy things at times. Like, I fell in love with you when I first saw you when you were eight. You know, like (laughs) stuff like that. But the fact of it is, their romantic relationship wasn't consummated. Yeah. Until she was an adult. And there are people all the time who marry people who are like 10 years younger than them. I mean, Padme met Anakin (laughs) when he was eight. Star Wars reference. I mean, I'm just thinking, like, I know a lot of people whose parents, like, one of them's a decade younger, and that's no big deal because they got married when they were adults, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's, like, a 13-year age difference or something? My parents are a decade apart. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing with that is a lot of times those people didn't know each other. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, totally. (laughs) My mom is 17 years older than my dad. Wow. So when I think about the fact that when my dad was born, my mom was, like, about to graduate high school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But they, again, like Mary just said, you know, my mom wasn't, like, at the hospital waiting for him to, like, pop out to be like, hello, infant. (laughs) (laughs) I think that should be the name of the episode. Hello, infant. (laughs) (laughs) Parentheses, sexy voice. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say because then again, also his mental age is different because we think like, oh, it's more acceptable if you are 10 years older than someone, if you're both past the, the stage of like, you know, being an adolescent and you both are right. like te- like mentally adults. But it's like if he isn't quite at that point when they meet and they have this connection, it's like, 
if the reason that we think it's okay to have this age difference is because of the mental similarities in people, like, how, where do you draw that line, I guess? Yeah. Um, I don't think the, the fact that they end up together necessarily is, like, casting it as it's all okay. I think if you were one of the people who were already pissed off about it, it's not going to feel any better to you yeah. that, that they got married as adults. Um, and I don't, like, I don't think that that was, like, the author saying, look, it's all fine or anything either. For me, right. I was just happy that something good happened to either one of them by the end. And, like, that yeah. Donald had a family. Donald. Yeah. Because, yeah. um, like, a lot of way more fucked up shit is going on, too. <laughs> so, um. Well, and it's, like, if she's an adult and she still feels this way... And she is entirely aware of everything that happened. Mm -hmm. Whether or not the reason she feels that way has anything to do with being quote-unquote brainwashed or, you know, having Stockholm Syndrome-esque feelings or anything like that. Like, you know, this is what she wants and what's going to make her happy. She's like a full and consenting adult. And at the end of the day, like, if this was real life, like, she, this would be allowed to happen. Like, she yeah. would... They would be together. And that's just, like, the the fact of the story. And, you know, I don't think there's any... Because we have, like, first-person point of views in most of the sections, like, there is no overall voice saying, this is okay, this isn't okay. Like, we're just getting this perspective of different characters. Yeah. So... Do you guys... I mean, this was my question later, but do you guys want to go ahead and talk a little bit about the perspectives? Yeah. Yeah, because one of the, I mean, I read a lot of Goodreads reviews after I finished reading this book because I was like, I just got to know what people are saying, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and one of the criticisms I read was that um, each chapter is told um, first person from different characters' points of view. So we get a lot of characters' points of view. They're not actually all first person. Oh, yeah. So they're if, not, they're, yeah. if they're minor characters, like, oh, like some of, uh, Liam, the father's uh, bitches, get chapters and they're in <laughs> yeah. third person. Yeah, like the nurse and those people don't get first. They get it's still filtered through their perspective, but it's not right. But it's third. It's a close third. But some of the some of the minor characters do get first person perspectives. Though. That's what was confusing to me. Like the judge gets a first person perspective. Like yeah, that maybe. random dude Butch gets a first person perspective. <laughs> He he just shows up like there's a chapter with the title Butch and I'm like who the fuck is this and it is and it's like oh I guess he was mentioned on like one page like in some part earlier and now he gets like a perspective. One of the criticisms was that not all of the perspectives worked in that like the first person person perspectives kind of all sounded like the same person and that the third person perspectives just seemed a little like inconsistent, kind of like what you were saying. So how do you guys feel about that? Kelly, it sounds like you're sort of saying you agree with that. I don't agree that all of the first person perspectives sounded like the same person. Like I think Wavy and Kellen have really different voices mm -hmm. right? in their chapters. But mm -hmm. I do think that a lot of the minor characters who get first person are kind of blend together, kind of blend together and kind of seem unnecessary I mean, there are a lot of parts that come from a different perspective that I think could have just as easily come from Wavy or Kellen or one of the more successful first-person characters. Like, I liked Amy's chapters. Yeah. 
there are a couple other people. Like, I would have liked to hear more from Donald, honestly. Like, <laughs> yeah, he only pops up a couple of times. Yeah. I guess, though, if we saw more from his perspective, especially in the last half of the book, it would have spoiled a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, get, I mean, and he was young at the time of some of the other stuff happening. Mm-hmm. But even, like, we don't really get Val's perspective at all either, which I thought was interesting. Well, it would be all, like... Well, she's so strung oh. out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you wouldn't be able to make heads She'd or tails like, of what I'm she was thinking. I'm passed out on the bed again. I can't figure <laughs> out what's happening. She was literally asleep most of the time, so... Well, I would. I guess I also would have liked, and this is just another thing, but I would have liked to understand her more. Yeah. So Val and Liam are the parents in this situation, though they don't really act like parents. I'm on the document here. I wrote that they're gold star parents. That was sarcasm. <laughs> I thought you meant um, that. I was going to have to yeah. talk to you about that, Emily. Yeah, I wish my parents were like this, but. Uh, yeah, so I agree. It would have been interesting to hear more from them. I, I felt like the stuff that we did learn about them was, like, fucked up, but very, like, I was very intrigued by these characters. Mm-hmm. Like, especially Val, because she seems to, I mean, she's a lot more than just a drug addict. She clearly has um, mental health issues. Yeah. I don't want to diagnose her because I ain't a psychiatrist. Right. There's obviously OCD stuff going on there with her. Mm-hmm germ obsession right that she she passes that fear on to wavy because then wavy's afraid to have anyone touch her or she thinks that she's dirty and i wanted to know more about her because she seemed to have periods of time when she was okay you know like she would show up to the school in a rage which is like such a classic mom thing to do (laughs) you know but yet, for most of the book, she is just high and passed out in her bedroom. And I mean, it makes sense then that Wavy is so independent and can take care of herself so well. But I did wonder if Val had more periods of put-togetherness. I guess, though, like, it's not really about Val. It's about Wavy. Yeah. Yeah. Also, though, like, Val has some periods of time where she kind of gets herself more together and deals with being drug addicted better when she's trying to seduce Liam. Yeah. Yeah. Which is gross. I guess my my point about her potentially having chapters is just that I think having her have some of these perspective chapters would have been just as useful and potentially potentially more interesting than having someone like D have like perspective chapters or like she was like a third person perspective but i mean she also is like strung out so it's like true i don't know there were there were certain characters who just seemed like we were wasting time with them yeah i mean i think that the purpose of all the perspectives were was to sort of like get a lot of different perspectives on wavy and kellen And to see, like, how the outside world saw them, not just as a couple, but as people, as individuals. Um, But maybe we didn't need all of those perspectives. Yeah. That would have been cool to see maybe, like, a little bit more of the perspectives that were working and didn't run together. One kind of random perspective that I actually really liked was the jewelry store lady. (laughs) Oh, I love that chapter. (laughs) Um, It was really... Uh, like, interesting to see Wavy and Kellen interacting from, a, like, a stranger's <laughs> perspective. 
And yeah. just, like, her utter confusion at what the hell was happening. And then kind of sort of being okay with it in the end. Like, even though the, the other guy in the shop was like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. And she's like, hey, her he brother. seems really nice. So here's yeah, the ring, buddy. Like, it's going to be fine. Yeah, so in the scene, just for people who didn't read the book, in this scene, uh, we get the perspective of the jewelry store owner who is, uh, selling an engagement ring to Kellen to give to this little girl. And she, like, we kind of see over the course of the chapter, her realization that this is what's happening. Yeah. At first she thinks that he's going to marry her mom or something. And she's yeah. his stepdaughter. And, and the mom is, or she's like helping pick out for the mom basically. Yeah. And then he like, he's like, can I get it resized to be for like a child? And she's like, <laughs> Oh, it sounded like a really pretty ring. Yeah, and it was, like, wildly expensive. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, though. Not compared to, like, actual engagement rings, but compared to something that, like, Kellen is going to buy. Yes. <laughs> also, like, something you're going to give to a child who might lose it. Yeah. She did keep it safe, though. She did. Aww. But, you know. A little wavy. Susan's getting choked up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, child engagement ring. <laughs> I know, funny. like, listen to us. What the heck? <laughs> We have been brainwashed. I was like, they're yeah. engaged. They're like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> and I caught myself thinking that the whole time. So I'd be like, oh, that's so sweet. Wait a minute. <laughs> no. Pump the brakes. That's crazy. <laughs> so I want to talk about, let's like talk about some of the characters a little bit. So I like made a little list of the characters that are a big deal in the story. So obviously we have Kellen and Wavy. We have Val and Liam, who are Wavy's parents. We have Donald, who's Wavy's little little brother. I almost said little sister. Um, little brother. <laughs> and really, her little half-brother. Oh, yeah. We have Amy, who is uh, Wavy's cousin. And so whenever Wavy is visiting her um, cousins and her aunt, uh, we get a lot of Amy's perspective. We get Brenda, who is Amy's mom, and uh, Wavy's auntie uh we have renee who is um wavy's roommate when wavy eventually goes to college um and so i just kind of like threw all those characters out there as like jumping off points if any of those characters are like people that you guys want to talk about just like hit and hit and run well i like here in the dock you have renee and then next to renee it says what the fuck, Renee? Is she just really into drama or what is the deal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is so true because Renee is like, a, she's insane. Okay. Like she, like the, her introduction is the, she's co Wavy's like roommate in sophomore year of college or something. And yeah. Wavy walks in and then Renee's like talking about how she has a shrine up to her quote, best friend who uh, died when she was in high school in, like, a drunk driving accident, but she reveals to us, the reader, that actually this girl was, like, just in her history class, and she, like, created this story to seem interesting to college people, and, like, has a shrine of this, like, girl who she barely knew up in her dorm room, and is just, like, acting like it, she's like, it was really embarrassing that I did that, and it's like, no, dude, that's not just embarrassing, that's, like, a problem. <laughs> But then, like, we know, based on that, that as soon as, like, she meets Wavy, she's just gonna, like, have a field day 
with all the wavy's problem, you yeah. know, <laughs> which and she, she does. does. Yeah. Yeah. She does. like wavy's story becomes her story. Mm-hmm. She's like all up in wavy's. But the thing is, is like, we know, all know people like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I definitely felt like Renee was a realistic character. Yeah. Like as far as just being super invested in other people's shit. <laughs> and a good, mm-hmm. like a really good foil for wavy. Who's like basically, mentally probably like 50 years old by the time she gets to college (laughs) versus like this person who's like so 18 yeah yeah (laughs) they were kind of a fun like odd couple like it was fun to imagine them together because wavy like doesn't speak and renee never shuts up and like i know and i love that they continued to live together and yeah yeah. they like somehow like ended up becoming friends like against all odds (laughs) and honestly like renee is kind of us the reader because, like, she's like us. She's cheering mm-hmm. for this relationship to work. She's like, come on. Like, we're even when she, like, meets Kellen and is like, man, he's kind of a dick. She's still kind of like, but, you know, they love each other. Yeah. So. <laughs> she's also like, as soon as they break up, she's like, ah, fuck him. And then when she wants yeah. to get back together with him, it's like, yeah, go get him. <laughs> so. I mean, yeah. she's like a super yeah. supportive I mean, friend. She's really supportive of him. <laughs> Yeah. So it's hard to hate her that much. Yeah. yeah. But she yeah. is really dramatic. If I was the friend in this situation, I would be like, no, you can't get back to, like, what are you doing? He's like, no. <laughs> Me too. Like, I've gotten mad at yeah. friends for way less intense things than, <laughs> like, getting in a relationship with, like, a man who was sexually active with you when you were 13 yeah i've told friends to get out of way less problematic relationships than this one exactly that's what i'm saying (laughs) like Like, run i've been way more i've been like mean to people to my friends being like you need to know better than this (laughs) or things that are just like meanwhile i don't even like my friends to date people who are stupid like it's like they can be like nice and like really good to my friend and they can even hold down a job but if they're dumb i'm like dump this loser immediately like i'm very picky when it comes to my friends one time emily said all of her friends must be cute yeah it's true. It's true. because she doesn't like people who aren't cute that's why she's friends i with like us. cute friends yeah i'm glad <laughs> we made the cut squad, my squad is cute yeah everyone in emily's circle has got to be cute and smart yeah those are my minimum requirements for being my friend I feel like Kellen probably wouldn't be your friend for both of those nah. reasons. <laughs> also, like I don't like tattoos, so. <laughs> and yet somehow you're we all have I know tattoos. you're still letting us hang around for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, you don't have the pool like, is small. <laughs> does it minimize our cuteness? No, it doesn't. Um, I just it, like you don't have Kellen style tattoos. Let me just put it that. I way. mean, I'm getting one in the mail soon. Yeah, yeah, but I mean that's temp temporary tattoo you don't have biker tattoos (laughs) yeah that's what i mean like you don't have biker tattoos yet (laughs) susan's like i've been getting tattoos at an alarming rate the past couple of years so it's like it could just be a matter of tattoos because it's like an addiction people just keep getting them um i do want to talk about kellen a little bit more than we already have though just like as a character because aside from being a pedophile (laughs) He's also killed people and, like, does shady shit just in general. Um, and yet we're all still like, oh, Kellen, we hope it all works out for him in the end. Like, why? 
Well, here's a question. Is he a pedophile? Well, he says he's not. Because yes. He would say he's not. He has sexual desire for a young girl, but it's just wavy. Like, he he argues in the book he's not a pedophile because he's never felt that for anyone but wavy. Yeah. I mean, she's still a kid, though. Yeah. (laughs) She is. No, I know. Like, how many kids do you have to have sex with before you're a pedophile? (laughs) He technically never had sex with her when she was a kid. Okay, let's be clear about what happens when, sexually, in case people haven't I'm sorry, handjobs and, like, rubbing your junk on her junk. Those are (laughs) are sex things. Yeah. So sex things happen, but not... Intercourse. <laughs> like, if I'm 25 and I give a guy a hand job, I didn't have sex with him. If I'm 13 and I gave a guy a hand job, like, I basically had sex with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, Thank you, Kelly. <laughs> um, and also, like, let's not get into defining uh, sex as penetration because that is not inclusive of our homosexual no. friends. No, that's not... That's, true. That's not what I'm saying. I just, <laughs> I know, I'm I know, saying I in terms of like yeah. when we're talking about when it was quote unquote consummated versus like what happened pre 18 and po- like, yeah, I'm drawing the line at her age and not at what the act was. But right. Yeah, right. So. I, I see what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I'm just trying to be difficult. Like he <laughs> tried to be really respectful of her and not like he was very careful and not take advantage of her and the things that they did together were things that she basically like she initiated right like I think in this particular situation the sexual things wouldn't have happened had she not wanted them to but that's a problematic thing to say because like how can you know at that age. age of consent yeah. for a reason. Yeah. 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 That's exactly. The, this raises a lot of questions about yeah. consent, which shouldn't have so many gray areas. <laughs> like, I don't think that it does normally. <laughs> when she's 13, he, they start kissing and making out for the first time, really. They've, like, kissed before, but in a, like, brother-sister way, I guess. Eh, they kissed on the mouth. Yeah, I mean, like, you kiss, like, your family members on the mouth. No? I don't. I yeah. have kissed my family members on the mouth. I don't know. Maybe it's a Florida thing. <laughs> I mean, I don't think, I don't think it's, that's necessarily weird. I know some families do that. Yeah. I don't come from a touchy-feely family anyway. Yeah. So, like, we barely, some of my family members barely hug. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're, like, an eight-year-old kid and you have, like, a, like, an older brother... Yeah. Like, you'll be more, like, touchy-feely with them just because, like, you're a kid. But, but at a certain point... They, like, I think Wavy definitely sees it as romantic because she yes. talks about, like, wanting him to kiss her on the mouth. Yeah. And, and I don't think he saw it that way. Yeah, probably not. Until it became very clear to him that she saw it that way. At which point he was like, okay, maybe it is this way. And then when the, when she's 13, this moment occurs where... They make out, she unbuckles his pants, he says, no, we're not doing this, she keeps going, he's like, we're not doing this, we're not doing this, and then eventually she gives him a handjob to completion. (laughs) And then... (laughs) And we went there. We went there. (laughs) And so, yeah, things progress from there, and ultimately, she... What what birthday is it? Her 14th birthday? 
It's her 14th. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, a year later, she goes over to his place. They, uh, start to do things. You you get the idea. Everything yeah. but happened. Did it? Because it's, un- it's unclear. Well, because they tell, like, Wavy and Kellen tell the police one thing. Yeah. The truth is another thing. Oh, she tells the police some stuff. Donald <laughs> thinks something different. Like, everybody involved in that scenario thinks something different happens. My favorite, though, is when Wavy's describing it in the courtroom. <laughs> it's so awful. <laughs> yeah, so Wavy lies and said that they actually had sex, and then she's like, and please be sure Kellen knows that I said all this, just by the way. And it's really explicit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I want to talk about Amy really fast. Um, so Amy so is, Amy's a lesbian? Yeah. <laughs> so Amy's a lesbian that kind of just gets dropped in there. Um, that Amy has feelings for her friend that we kind of know peripherally. Uh, and then it just kind of goes away. It's not like a big plot point, but I, I just thought it was interesting that Amy as a first person perspective character, isn't just focusing on like the story of the novel. She's also like, also I have my own shit going on. Like I'm secretly in love with my best friend and her parents get divorced and like, yeah, basically because of maybe, but I mean, it's kind of (laughs) nice. That Amy's sexuality isn't like, oh my god. Yeah, I don't mean that. Amy's a lesbian. I just mean, like, I thought it was interesting that, like, she, there was this whole, like, side plot that isn't really, like, relevant to the story. The fact that she has this, like, sort of, like, realizes that she's a lesbian when she realizes that the feelings she feels for her best friend are, like, way more than just, like, friend love. Yeah. And it's just, like, mm-hmm. mentioned, and I don't know, like, it just kind of it made the world seem fuller to me because I was like, oh, there there are other things happening in other people's lives. I agree. I agree. And I also have to say that I totally knew that was going to happen from the very beginning when there is, like, a throwaway comment in, like, when she's still a kid and Wavy is talking about how she loves Kellen, like, when they're in – like elementary school, middle mm-hmm. school, and she's like, I could never imagine like liking a boy that way. And then she's she also offhandedly mentions that she really likes her teacher or something. There's like all oh, these like little hints leading up to, it, and I was like, I bet she's gonna be a lesbian. And then she was a lesbian, yeah. and I was like, I fucking knew she was a lesbian. <laughs> but I'm just glad that Amy was like a fully realized character and not just like a. A person that was like, oh my god, this is what's happening with my cousin, because like, yeah, that's yeah. kind of who Renee is. Like, she wasn't there so. just to comment on Wavy. Yeah. Right. Amy is a, is a really, I think she's a strong character, and I think it's, like, fitting that she opens the novel, too. Yeah. Like, she yeah. has the first perspective chapter. And I think that sort of, like, helped us connect to her also, because, like, she is the person who introduces us to Wavy. Yeah. And we kind of get the sense that, like, she is aware of what's happening with Wavy, but she's a child too. So she's like, she's not in a position to like do anything about it. So she just sort of has to like watch her mother fumble through trying to like help this girl and like not really know how to do it. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just an interesting position to be coming from. And it is nice. Like at the end, we, we do know that Amy is like out and she has a girlfriend. And like, I think that's enough information mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. 
totally. so it's not like totally dropped. But I don't know. So we've kind of like I wanted to end with asking if this is a love story, but it seems like you guys are saying yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, I think yes, but we don't have to like condone the type of love it is. But do you condone this love story? <laughs> I mean, when they're adults. Okay. I haven't decided. Yeah. I feel I feel in my heart like I do, but in my mind I feel like I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your mind you know? is telling you no. And what is the point of this story? <laughs> that was another <laughs> question I like after I read it I was like I liked it, but like what is the point of the story besides me just like questioning how I feel about this relationship? I think a lot of it is just that like every it's like kind of what Wavy is talking about when she talks to the judge and says like your family is real, so is my family less real because it's kind of right. fucked up? Yeah. And, like, I think the point of this story is basically just, like, every person has all of this stuff going on that you can't know about. I think at the end of this question in the doc, you say, how fitting is the title? Uh-huh. And I think that has to, like, all the ugly and wonderful things is, like, every person and every family and every life is made up of stuff that can be both ugly and wonderful ugly and wonderful Mm -hmm. at the same time and sometimes you can't like reconcile those things but it's okay because life isn't always that easy to put in black and white like there are gray areas all the time yeah that's 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 pretty much how i feel about it too well thanks kelly that really helped me Okay, so any last thoughts about this book or questions or comments or feelings that we didn't get to? I just want to say in closing that I still am unsure <laughs> how I feel about these this relationship, but I think the fact that I am still thinking about it is good for the book. And yeah. I don't have to condone the relationship to like the book, so... Yeah, Please yes. don't confuse the two people on Goodreads. Calm down. Okay? <laughs> Calm down, the fallen. I don't think we're supposed to end the book feeling a solid way about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we can't... I think the mark of a good book is something you think about, or a good movie, you know? Like, you think about it beyond the time you're interacting with it. And I keep describing the movie Mother this way. I hated watching it. I was very uncomfortable. And afterwards, I was super stressed out. But I talked about it for at least two weeks (laughs) after I saw it. And I read every review and every blog post I could get my hands on. And that's the mark of a good piece of media. If you're thinking about it, even if you didn't love it, even if you didn't condone the pedophilic relationship in it, you're still thinking about it and you're still putting that mental energy in. And I think that means it's good. Like yeah. it's given you something to ponder. I agree. Or worthwhile, if not good. <laughs> yeah. I feel very conflicted about the topic of this book, but I don't feel conflicted about my enjoyment of the book as a book because it's a novel. It didn't, you know, it's a novel. It's yeah. Fine. Yeah. And it's a good novel. Good job, yeah. Bryn. So we actually liked something. Yeah. Yeah, we did it. Yes. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Congratulations, everyone. High fives all around. Good job at liking something. We did it. Um, It's always a gamble because we don't read the books ahead of time. So, you know, just throw it out there and see what happens.
This will tide us over for the next seven episodes until we like yeah. <laughs> some questions and comments about our last episode of um, Stephen King's It, where we talked about the uh, miniseries, the novel, and the 2017 movie. And I'm really excited to get to these questions because Susan wasn't here with us for this episode. So I'm hoping like maybe Susan can jump in on a lot of these questions and give us her feelings. I can. And I just and in general, like, I just want to hear some more about what Susan thought, thought of the movie. I mean, Susan saw the new movie and then fled the country. Yeah, that's yeah, I'm true. scared. So. You guys, why didn't you call it a, why didn't you call it a float episode, though? <laughs> Such a, a missed, missed opportunity. opportunity. So our first question comes from Todd from Nashville. Uh, he wants to know, how does it compare to other horror films from this year, especially Get Out? Also, I hear Emily has a very good analogy involving Lucky Charms. Oh, hmm. Oh. How, how did he hear that? How I did wonder. you hear about this Lucky Charms analogy? It couldn't be because I was talking about it all over Facebook. No, no. I don't know. She no. really didn't want to get into this. I don't but... know this analogy <laughs> that you're talking about. Okay, so should I talk about the analogy first and then we'll answer the rest of his question? Yes. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about it because I'm obsessed. And um, one of the criticisms I've heard about the new movie is that it just, a lot of it just felt like scare after scare after scare. There wasn't a lot of downtime. It was kind of like sort of uh, tiring after a while um, because there's just like so many like really intense points. And I was thinking about it um, and, you know, the original, um, the book and the miniseries, um, those sections are split up with like sections of them being adults. And so that's sort of more of our downtime happens on the adult timeline. And while the kid parts are the more fun parts, I think, and like, I really enjoy the kid parts the best in the book and the miniseries, just having the kid parts by themselves is kind of intense. And I was thinking about it and I was like, it's kind of like, you know, eating Lucky Charms and just eating the marshmallows. Like, everybody knows the marshmallows are the best part, but you kind of need the cereal to, like, calm yourself down a little bit so you're just not eating, like, a bowl full of delicious marshmallows. And, you know, like, I'm not going to say no to a bowl full of Lucky Charms marshmallows, but, like, to get the full experience, you really need that dry cereal as well. And the dry cereal is the adult part. If we're separating the marshmallows and the... Grain cereal. The second movie is just going to be boring. Well, I, I have heard that they are planning on doing flashbacks in the second movie, um, which they really need to do because, yeah, I do, I do not want – if I got all my marshmallows already and the second movie is just going to be dry Lucky Charm cereal with no marshmallows, I'm going to be pretty upset, and I don't think that's going to be a very good movie. So that's my Lucky Charms analogy. I thought you were about to make a threat. Like, I'm going to be upset. And they're going to regret it. No, I don't think they care. I used to eat <laughs> Lucky Charms by first eating all of the cereal. That's what I did, Susan. And then eating all the marshmallows to close it out. <laughs> Same. So maybe they should have done the adult part first. and then the Save the best for last. last. I prefer it the other way, but I'm okay with a bowl full yeah. of marshmallows, too. Like, that's how I eat cake, too, is I'll, like, eat all the cake part and leave the frosting. Like, the little part with the uh, frosting. The frosting inside. is the best part. Then I eat the frosting. Are we on team frosting here? Because I hate people that don't like frosting. Um, 
frosting. I like frosting, but there is such a thing as I too like, much. Oh, yeah. nope. I like the cake better than the frosting. <laughs> I like the cake better, too. I like the Oreo cookie better cake. than if the Kelly icing, Kelly and I too, can eat your so. extra frosting. It'll be great. <laughs> as far as how it compares to other horror films from this year, yeah. I feel like it's hard to compare it to Get Out because Get Out had such a political consciousness that I don't think it is intending to engage with in the same way, especially considering how we talked about Mike's role and how it was reduced. Yeah. yeah it, it seems to definitely be like avoiding the topic of racism, which is something we talked about a yeah. little bit in the last episode. I also, it's worth saying, and Todd knows this, <laughs> that Emily and I see pretty much every movie that's even remotely scary that comes um, out. Yeah. We just saw Flatliners. It was fucking terrible. Was but it? We saw it, it looks bad. Oh, God. <laughs> it was so oof. bad. We saw flat Flatliners and we saw Friend Request, which, oof, oof that was also <laughs> bad. Um, but we see pretty much every movie that's remotely scary that comes out. Um, Todd has said before, you know, you don't have to see this. Yes, yes. You don't have to see well, Todd, everyone. You don't know and, I, and I'm like, yes, I do. yes, we do. <laughs> don't tell me how to live my life, Todd. <laughs> but I think that there's different tiers of horror movies. Like when I go to see something like Flatliners or Friend Request, I'm not expecting to leave the theater thinking about complex problems i know it's going to be crappy i just know it is and it's going to be funny we're going to make fun of it sometimes you go to see a low-tier movie and it surprises you and you can't stop thinking about it afterwards as like was the case with unfriended <laughs> which is yes, the greatest unfriended movie. was a pleasant surprise yeah but if we had left the theater saying that was a crappy movie and we made fun of it we would have expected that. But yeah. then there's horror movies that are like a different tier. Mm -hmm. So when I went to see It Follows a couple of years ago, I expected that to be good. And it was yeah. good. Yeah. It, and it was good. It was getting all this good buzz. And I left thinking like, ooh, what is, what could this mean? What could that mean? I've taught it before. So I mean, like there are different tiers of horror movies. And I think that get out is in that higher tier where it's trying to do something more. I don't think that there have been a lot of higher tier um, horror movies this year. And it, for me, although it was great and has lots to think about, it is sort of like thematically a paler shade than the book, I think. And because you just can't fit everything from the book in there. What do you guys think? I mean, I don't think of it as like, I don't think of it on the same level as like flatliners. No, it's somewhere in between. When I think of like high tier horror movies, I think of like The Witch or like yeah. It Follows or something like that. It reminded me a lot of It Follows, honestly. It definitely had a bigger production value than a lot of these like higher tier horror movies tend to have lower production value, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It had a huge budget. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, like, I think thematically it is doing interesting things, but I think you're right, Mary, in that like they didn't really hit on them as hard as the novel did for sure. Like for instance, I mean, it just can't bigotry and racism is a big deal in the novel. And a lot of what the monster represents is that, you know, and we, that is completely erased from the new movie and, semi erased from the old movie see that that doesn't 
like Mary, you were just saying, you can't fit all that stuff in. And I know you, you can't fit everything from that, like, doorstopper of a book into a movie. But you you could keep in that stuff yeah. if you wanted it to be about that. You could take out, like, a lot of the scare moments if you wanted yeah. to include. Because there were a lot of scare moments, as we talked about the haunted house segment, which lasted a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you cut out, like maybe 13 or 14 of the scares that occur during that sequence, you could fit in some other stuff. But yeah, Yeah. here's the thing about that. So like I said, I really loved this movie too. And I'll probably see it again. And I don't need downtime in a horror movie. Like I'm fine with it being like scare after scare. (laughs) That being said, I could have done with a little bit less, actually. (laughs) So (laughs) um, normally I don't really feel that way, but I felt like at times the only goal was be scarier than the miniseries, you know? <laughs> like, oh, just yeah. outdo that scariness. And, which it it did succeed in that, I think. But, yeah, like, The Haunted House, for example, is, um, it's a lot to take in in a short time. Well, not even a short time. In several minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But it was actually scary. Like, I, I mean, I think they were... While there were a lot of scares, I didn't think they were cheap scares. That would bother me more than there just being a lot of them. But part of it's interesting because, like, what I thought was so, so scary about the miniseries was pretty much just Tim Curry. Yeah. I know. I love that in your recording you left us how genuinely terrified (laughs) you seemed of Tim Curry. I really was, like, for a, a long time. Like, a solid decade. He was one of my greatest fears (laughs) yeah which is so funny because watching it now is like it's not scary like at all (laughs) i think i might still be i haven't seen it like i said i did watch it a lot when i was younger but i haven't seen it in a long time like it's probably been about 10 years since i've seen it so yeah i think if you revisited it you'd be like wait a minute i think (laughs) i don't know i feel like he would still scare me (laughs) but maybe um like, this was scary on so many other levels. It wasn't just that Pennywise himself as the clown was scary. Um, mm-hmm. He was. Uh, I kind of almost still think Tim Curry was scarier. I mean, uh, I didn't see it when I was a kid. So yeah, I think it I has. Think I would feel I a lot I think it has everything to do with, like, the exact moment that I saw it. But yeah. it's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not even, like, the the scariest moments that were the scariest to me. It's like that moment where the sheet goes across his face. <laughs> mm-hmm. and like he's not yeah. there and then he's there and then he's not there. Like that probably wouldn't scare me today. <laughs> so what yeah. I did really like, and I said this when I recorded it was that I, I like that you actually get to see the morphing happening and you get to see the scary mm-hmm. movements and stuff because the in the miniseries because it's like the nineties, you it's just like cutaways and then you assume something happens. But you see an arm get ripped off. This movie starts with an arm in the street, which is like Yeah, that was like a That's big when I was like, We're here. We are here. <laughs> I like was not realizing just how rated R this is gonna be. And then all of a sudden there's like an arm just like squirting blood into the rain on the street like a child arm. Yeah. No, that was the moment I was like, I'm here for this. I'm here for whatever is going down next. Like, we just, the movie started with arm in the street and it went up from there. Yeah. So, yeah. so get this, guys. We are all for 
pedophilia and children's <laughs> arms getting ripped off. That's what you're learning about us in this episode. I'm just saying it's so much scarier when you can actually see those things because that is – oh, I started reading the book, by the way, while I was gone. Oh, awesome. I should probably talk about that. Um, And I've only made it as far as that part. (laughs) So I was like, okay, yeah, that is super violent when it happens in the book. So well done this time around. I don't know that we've actually answered this question. <laughs> oh, sorry. We I thought we were going into Susan's thoughts. <laughs> so I just took over. <laughs> oh, no. Su- like, obviously, we love Welcome your thoughts, Susan. Susan's thoughts with Susan and no one else. I think, <laughs> I think the problem is that there haven't been a lot of really exceptional horror movies that have come out this Except year. Except for Get Out. Hey, yes. like Death Day is coming out, and I'm, I'm excited. Because it's coming out on my birthday. What is? Happy, Happy Death, Death Day. Day. What is oh, that? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I gotta admit, it seems like a low tier. It seems like a low oh, yeah. tier, but it might oh, surprise yeah. me. Like, unfriended. I'm always open. Um, I honestly like it a lot more than Get Out. It's just more my type of scary movie because I find supernatural things, I think, like, scarier. And Get Out, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of, like, more science fiction, I guess. Get Out hits a lot of scary buttons for me. Yeah. Body horror, brain stuff. <laughs> and also, and this is a big thing for me, um, the trailer basically ruined the entire plot of Get Out. And it's like, once you know what's going to happen, there's less to be afraid of. So that kind of pissed me off, too. And that's not the movie's fault, but it just made it less enjoyable for me when I saw it because I was, like, not surprised by anything that happened. Um, and I wasn't eager to go back and see Get Out immediately after leaving the theater. Like, I liked it. I was like, that was really good. But I wasn't like, man, I really want to see that again. But when I left the theater for it, I was like, so pumped. And I was like, I just, I like, I really want to see that again. Like, it was really exciting. So I, I think my reaction is very, like, personal. It's not really answering which one's a better movie. They're very different movies. But just personally, it was hitting more of those horror buttons for me. Yeah, I think it is probably scarier in a gen- like in a horror movie like genre esque type of way. But I think like Get Out for me, Get Out was like more successful just overall as a movie. Yeah, I agree with that. Sort of segueing, uh, Kyle from Memphis, Tennessee, had a contrasting opinion to what we talked about last time. Uh, we, we mentioned a little bit last time on the It minisode that there is a scene where the children who have been abducted, their bodies are actually floating. So when Pennywise says, we all float down here, they're literally floating. And we sort of talked about how we didn't like that or didn't think, thought it was over the top. And Kyle says... I just think that showing the floating makes him scarier, him being Pennywise. Instead of just outright killing them and leaving their bodies to float, he instead captures them to feed on them mentally until he's able to physically. Revealing something about the monster doesn't make it any less scary, I don't think. And since the book lacks specificity, I think that that's a better choice than leaving it open-ended. I definitely definitely see where Kyle is coming from. And I think that there's something to be said from for the terror of having your body sort of like locked in a stasis while you're 
psyche is being dissolved. Yeah, but I would argue that the book doesn't leave it open-ended. Like, it's not open-ended in the book. Like we were saying in the last episode, like, we don't need to see them floating to understand what that means. And, like, I just, right. I, like, I still disagree, obviously. But I think, like, it's wrong. I, I, it's, I think it's kind of wrong to say that the book leaves it open-ended because I don't, I don't see it that way. I've only read 300 pages. Kyle, you are entitled to your very wrong opinion. (laughs) No, I get it. I get it. And I mean, like, I definitely see where you're coming from, Kyle. I don't know that I agree. I don't know that I feel strongly either way about it. I just think it's a different interpretation. I personally, I think it's scarier to have more mystery. Yeah. And so I'm always going to lean on the side of mystery. So seeing them floating took some of that away from for me but i think that knowing more about a creature or a monster can be scarier sometimes so for example in the hellraiser series we kind of like gradually find more and more out about pinhead and company and that's still scary to me i have a book yeah. question do we yeah. in the book do you ever find out why why the monster exists yeah, he's like, uh, I mean, it gets really convoluted, and this is kind of my, one of my issues with the book, that, like, sort of like the child orgy, I just kind of like, I'm like, man, whatever about, uh, he's kind of like an alien from another dimension, so, like, yeah. Okay. It's weird. Getting back to the, does showing more of something make it less or more scary? I actually... I don't know if I mentioned this before. I know I told you guys that I went to it, but I went to this event. It was like a Stephen King on his birthday. It was like a Stephen King oh, yeah. thing at uh, this movie theater called Nighthawk, which is in Brooklyn. And uh, this guy, I forget, I don't even know his full name, but his first name is Kevin. And he does these <laughs> series there called Kevin Geeks Out uh, about film. And then he'll do like some kind of like sub genre or topic or something Um, And so this time he did Stephen King. And I think he's done a different Stephen King show like a year before. But basically, it's a bunch of different little small lectures that people do about the topic. And so various people were like presenting different things about Stephen King. And one person was just talking about like, how, like Stephen King deals with horror and talking about this concept of like, the open door, and Mm -hmm. like how far the door is open. And like, like how scary that is. So there's like different types of ways to show horror. So if your door is closed, you don't see, you know that there's something behind the door, but you don't see it and you never do. And there's something uniquely scary about the fact that you know there's something back there and you're not going to see it. You can also have the door like creaked open just a little bit to show you just a little bit of what's back there. Also scary. Or you can just throw the door all the way open and just show the thing which can also be scary. And they were talking about how Stephen King often does the throw the door all the way open and show you what it is very violently. And like, <laughs> you know, he goes like all in on those horror things. And it's it doesn't necessarily mean it's less scary. It's just like, I think it's like based on the individual, what is scarier to you? Like the thing that you can see or the thing that you can't see. I mean, like, I think when you find out what Pennywise is really, it's still like this very difficult thing to grasp right because like I said in the last episode he's like basically uh light Mm -hmm. like he's not a physical thing um and so even in his most specific like his form that is most him is still like really hard to imagine 
so last question, uh, Kelly, do you want to read this one or not question, but comment? Sure. Uh, this is a comment from Brent in Atlanta. Brent says, not a fan of how Bev was turned into a damsel in distress in the third act. Felt Ben would have been a better choice for that to add some more dynamic to the Bev-Ben-Bill triangle and keep Bev's status as the official badass of the Losers Club. I can agree with that comment, actually. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it mattered who got taken down there, but it is true that's kind of annoying that the one girl (laughs) was the one who got taken down into the sewer. So, I feel you. Totally. And Bev is still, in our hearts, the official badass of the Losers Club, even though it sucks that she was, like, turned into this damsel in distress character in the third act. Yeah. At least it's not – I mean, it's not because of anything she did. Yeah. It just happened to be her. So it's not because she was a dumb girl who did a dumb girl thing. (laughs) Yeah. She she killed her dad. What a dumbass girl. (laughs) Yeah. And she still continued to be a badass, like, after she was taken down there. Uh, she still kicks some ass. Um, not in the same way as she does in the book and the miniseries, but you know, they did their own thing, I guess. And that was fine, I guess. Um, Susan, do you have any like last minute thoughts about it before we move along and never talk about it again? Uh, that's not going to happen. I might talk about Uh, it You, you know that I, I also like Bev a lot. Yeah. And one of the other things that I remembered really that like stuck with me from the miniseries was like the blood bubbling up from the sink scene. And I thought this was like such a 10 times more awesome, like <laughs> Bev in the yeah. sink yeah. and the hair and everything. Like I was, <laughs> yeah. I loved it. Um, I love the addition of the hair. I thought that was really cool. Oh, so cool. Yeah. Me too. That's terrifying. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. No, in, in closing, I thought, I, don't, I guess what I'm looking forward to is seeing, like, the relationship between the children, which I thought was, like, a really cool, strong bond that it was, like, you know, parents don't. The parents are often the most out of the loop and, the, and don't know anything, um, and they're wrong. And the kids have this, like, strong bond where they're the ones that are kind of saving themselves. And I'm interested to see how that, like, goes into the adulthood portion. Especially because I haven't read it, so, like, I don't really know what's <laughs> – yeah, what that'll be like. For sure. As we may or may not have talked about before, uh, the adult part in the miniseries is just, like uh, – it's not as good as it could have been. So I think there's a lot of room yeah. for improvement. <laughs> I seriously barely remember anything about the adult part. It plays part. Like, like a weird soap opera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about what's on the blog right now. Um, it is October, which means there are going to be a lot of spooky posts on the blog this October. Spooky, um, scary. We have a <laughs> we have a guest post um, from Mary Kay, um, who yeah. also runs the blog. Everything is trying to kill you, um, which is That's awesome. Just a great blog. title. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, basically just about horror, and if, if you guys wanted to read more about Mother, um, she wrote a really great uh, blog post about Mother recently, um, but she has decided, or she has been convinced to write a post for our blog, so she's going to be writing about The Witch, 
um, which I know a lot of us love. Um, so I'm very excited to hear what she has to say about that. Um, you know, starting off our month spooky with a spooky movie post. Um, I've, I have also been posting my recaps of are you the one which are spooky in their own way? <laughs> um, <laughs> just, you know, just in that, like, Oh God, there are people like this out there. Um, what else is on the blog right now? Um, I wrote a blog post about the bright Sessions, Yeah. Which is a podcast by Lauren Shippen and company. It's a basically, about a psychiatrist named Dr. Bright who is treating clients who have superpowers. And my friend Jen told me about it and I listened to, you know, like 15 episodes in a weekend, which is very unlike me because I am chronically behind on podcasts. (laughs) But it is really great. And I wrote some thoughts about how it is really encouraging to be weird. And Kelly wrote a blog post too. I did. I wrote a blog post about uh, why you should really be watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend if you're not already watching it. Uh, I think I'm convinced. Yeah. I think you convinced me. I hope so. It's one of my favorite shows, and I know what you're thinking. If you don't know anything about it, you're thinking, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, that sounds like a terrible and uh, bad (laughs) stereotype. Terrible and bad (laughs) stereotype. (laughs) Both terrible um, and bad at the same time. Both terrible somehow. and bad and harmful <laughs> and problematic. Yeah. But you know what? Actually, it is. And the show deals with that in a lot of really interesting, fun ways. And it's also a musical. And if you want to see all the other reasons why you should definitely watch it, you should go read my blog post and then you should watch it because the new season, season three, uh, premieres in like two weeks. So On my birthday. October 13th. On Emily's I'm birthday. I'm going to plug my birthday a lot. Is that a, that's a Friday this this month, right? Yes, Friday the thirteenth. I have the best birthday for a horror movie fan. Um, maybe that's why I'm a horror movie fan because I was born on October thirteenth, which is just like it's just got horror all over it. The spookiest date. The spookiest, the spookiest day. Um, okay, and then let's talk about what's coming up on the podcast. So we have decided that we're going to talk about room. Right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Meltedy spoon episode. It's going to be our <laughs> Meltedy spoon episode. If you haven't read Room, then get on that and you'll know what that means. Teeny vampire episode. Guys, guys, it's so good. Go it's read so that. It's so good. It is good. Are we going to talk about the movie too? I think we should. Yeah, we should definitely talk about the movie too because I love the movie. I cried so many times. Who didn't? Right? <laughs> I didn't cry. You didn't cry when the dog came out? <laughs> The dog. That was the one part I cried at. That's what I was talking about. I cried so hard when Seamus came out. Oh, so So wonderful. So we'll talk about, we'll talk a lot about Seamus. It's going to be the Melody Spoon slash Seamus episode. Um, And then a month from today, we will be releasing our episode about Mary. You want to tell us? Yes, we will be reading and discussing Born by Jeff Vandermeer. Jeff Vandermeer is one of my favorite science fiction-ish authors. He wrote the Southern Reach trilogy, which is getting adapted into at least one movie, hopefully more. It's Annihilation starring Natalie Portman. And Oscar Isaac. And my boy Oscar Isaac. Come on. (laughs) Um, But I love the Southern Reach trilogy so much, and it was so 
just like well written and beautiful and mysterious that when Born came out over the summer, immediately I knew I had to buy it. But I haven't read it. I waited on you guys <laughs> to I read hope it. It's worth it. Um, it is science fiction, sort of like post-apocalyptic. There is, this is just something to like tempt everyone, there is a huge bear that levitates. <laughs> that's literally all I know about this book, is that it's science fiction I mean, like a that's bear. really Sold. all you need to know. Okay, but know. is there a pedophilia love story at the center? Not, not that I know of. Well, then I hate it. <laughs> all right, I'm not never sure mind. I'm out. Like this. I don't know if I can do it. Um, to celebrate Born. And my love of Jeff Vandermeer, we're going to be doing a giveaway. Woo! We are doing a giveaway right now. We're currently doing a giveaway. Yes, we're doing it right now. <laughs> you can you can get a copy of the book, Born, as well as other Born themed goodies that are TBD <laughs> in a Born subscription box, as curated yes. by Mary. Well, yeah. But it's only one time, so it's not a subscription. Like Emily and I. <laughs> have made a couple of these subscription theme boxes and we're getting pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Look, I think that my, uh, what was the name of that book? Horror store box was great. Yeah. Five stars. So if you, if you would like to win a born box with all kinds of goodies and a copy of the book, you can enter by reviewing us on iTunes and letting us know. Email us. You did that. Yes. Email yeah. us. What is the email uh, address, Kelly? Oh. This is her job. This is my job because I always say it wrong. That makes sense. Yes. <laughs> uh, our email address is booksquadgoals at booksquad.inc, I-N-K, like a squid. Um, also, when you email us about this, make sure you let us know what your iTunes username is so that we can know who you are. Because if you just email us and say, I left you a review... How are we going to know who you are? Yeah, because there's like uh -uh. so many reviews. How will we ever? And you know what? This is how we have to tempt you people to to leave us a review because you won't do it. So now we have to give away free stuff. (laughs) Don't feel mad. We're excited (laughs) to give free stuff. We love you guys. (laughs) Yeah. And And we're trying to get people to review us because it helps us be visible on iTunes so more people can find out about us and listen. Also... If we didn't love you, we would have made you an All the Ugly and Wonderful Things box, which I can't even imagine what kind of fucked up stuff would be in there. So, it would meth. be that. Yeah. Be a box of meth. <laughs> meth. Yeah, I'm really glad that I didn't do that. Can people who have already rated us also enter? I'm glad you asked. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Unless you have won a previous contest, <laughs> you're allowed to enter. <laughs> yeah. If you won, I'm sorry, but save some for the rest of us. Yeah. Slash them. Also, you can find us on social media. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On Twitter. Keep going. Instagram. Facebook. Goodreads. Uh, I think that's all of the social medias that we are on. <laughs> the social media. <laughs> um, does, <laughs> does Goodreads even count as social media? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, it's not very I mean, social. we're on it. We're there. We do have a discussion group. If you're on it, uh, it's social. Yeah. That's true. So please get involved. Please uh, email us, like, comment on Facebook stuff, uh, reply to our things, let us know your thoughts, your questions, your opinions. Tell me how many times I said like. I want someone to count it. I want someone to count it. (laughs) 
drink every time Kelly says like. Yeah. I want someone to do a super cut. (laughs) (laughs) My goal is to be famous enough that someone does a super cut of something like that. Yeah. I I would have to do it myself, honestly. That's like the only person (laughs) who's going to do it is me. (laughs) (laughs) Not if people rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. Yeah. Tell your friends. Tell, Tell your friends. friends. Okay, bye. And it was just oh, International sorry. Podcast Day. So, bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. 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 <laughs>